Hello and welcome to another episode of the Materialism Podcast. Now there's something different today. We are not doing our regular show. We are introducing a new type of show. It's going to be micro episodes. We've been listening to the feedback from people and everyone says, we want you to cover all these topics. And there's so many that we couldn't possibly pick just 12 in a year. And so we are going to periodically release these micro episodes. We're aiming for like a 10 minute mark just to get you some relevant information really quickly. And to help us do that, we've had to expand our personnel to help us uh, in this effort. So we're going to be introducing probably a few new producers to help us make this happen. And the gal that I want to introduce today is Kathy Liu, who is a junior at Stanford University studying material science there. So a perfect fit uh, to tell us about the goings on at a, at a fantastic university, actually. And she's done some really cool research on today's episode, which is on N95 masks. So Kathy, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, thanks. Hi, I'm Kathy. Um, I'm, as Professor Sparks mentioned, I'm a junior at Stanford, and um, we're all at home now because of the COVID situation. And so I'm from Utah and helping out um, where my home is. So yeah, I'm really excited to be able to share some of the science going on um, on the materials level, a lot of things that we use every day today, starting with face masks, because uh, there's, I mean, everyone's wearing them. There's so many different types of advice about them, but what is actually going on on these things we're just putting on our faces, right? So just to dive in, a uh, face mask basically is a barrier between your face and the outside world, because a lot of stuff can come off your face, especially your mouth. Uh, so that's both against what's in your body going out, as well as protecting you from the outside world coming in. Um, and so what that does is there's a couple of different ways that you can block particles coming in. Um, and there's three main mechanisms. First of all, it is inertial. So particles have inertia if they're flying fast enough, if they have enough mass. Uh, and then if they crash into something, then they get blocked. Um, so that's the first method and that's for the huge particles. So um, say like if splashes of water, for example. Uh, and then the next mechanism is diffusion. And so there's a phenomenon that's called Brownian motion. And that really just means that particles randomly move um, on the if molecular I, level. If I'm not wrong, I think that's what Einstein did his PhD thesis on. Let me pull this up real quick. I think it was on Brownian motion. That's cool. Does he just have his He did. His, his doctoral <laughs> thesis was on Brownian motion. So yeah, this is something that we've been studying for a very long time and people still find it super, super interesting. Basically, particles in the really, really small limit don't behave like like you'd expect them to. It's not like gravity is just kicking them always downwards in the field of gravity. They can actually start to resist gravity and float around in unexpected, unusual ways. Totally. And that happens in the air. So there's like, if a particle goes in the air, it doesn't just sit there. It'll just randomly move around. And so the idea of like blocking those is that like if you have a big mass of fibers or like a net, kind of like what's behind me, um, then eventually those particles are going to zoom around and then crash into fibers and get stuck there. Then the third one that I had no idea was initially used in masks is called electrostatic attraction. And this is basically static electricity. Particles are actually, many particles are charged, uh, especially if they're biological particles, because the amino acids on the surface, especially if they're in water, will have different electric charges. And so yeah, if- that, I was just gonna say, that was really surprising to me as I was looking through your notes for this episode, because I knew that coal plants and things like that, when they're trying to capture soot and different things, they would use electrostatic uh, capturing devices, but putting that into a mask, I had no idea something they were doing. So that was interesting. How does it actually work? What are they doing? Yeah, definitely. 
uh, they, so it's not like these particles are huge shards or anything, but in order to get a mask with charges, uh, there's a strategy called electro uh, charge filtration. Um, and this is where they take polymers and they melt them down into this big gooey solution. Then they blow them out of filters that have really, really thin pores to get really, really thin fibers from a charged, usually positive plate to a negative plate or collector. And then when you have this high voltage difference and you blow a thin polymer fiber, the polymer fiber will dry. And while it's drying, you'll also become charged. And so this is called melt woven fabric. And that's how they make surgical masks and N95 masks. No way. That's super cool. I think people just kind of take this for granted. They, they're at the store and you just figure, you know, somebody made it, but you have no idea how that happened. Yeah, definitely. And uh, some people have tried to make like, similar machines out of like a con candy machine. So you spew the polymers out of the middle. Um, uh -huh. That's a cool analogy to think of actually. It's like that the, the density of those fibers is really random and it's really thin, but then they're charged, charged con candy interfaces. Very cool. Um, and then I guess then there's, um, so if N95 and surgical masks are both made of melt wound fabric, like what's the difference? And what's the difference between that and like the cloth masks that people can just make? Um, well, the biggest thing is just the pore size of the masks and like the rigor to which they're tested. So N95 respirators, they have metal lining that will create a seal around your face and uh, your mouth and nose. And they're tested to block 95% of particles that are less than 300 nanometers um, or have a diameter of 300 nanometers. So and hence the N95, 95% of the particles that are 300 or larger get blocked? 300 yes, nanometers or larger get blocked. blocked. Okay. How yes. big is 300 nanometers? Give us something to scale. Like how big is a bacteria? They're like two, three microns, right? So this is 10 times smaller than that. Something uh, that like the 10th of the size of a bacteria ish. Yeah. Bacteria is usually 200 to 500 nanometers. So block most of the bigger ones. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and like the coronavirus, how big is that? It's tiny but it's the globules of like spit and stuff that it's blocking. So it's not blocking a virus. The virus is small enough that it could get through, right? It's just yeah. that that's not how it gets delivered. It gets delivered with like the, the spitball that, you know, comes out of your mouth or whatever. <laughs> yeah, to definitely. Put it, to put it in the scientific <laughs> term, the spitball. Yeah, definitely. Um, and some could be aerosol, but um, again, we're, it's, all, it's all a decrease in the probability type of thing because it's 95% of whatever's in the air, you know, in that, okay. in that size range. Okay. Um, so I when I go to the grocery store, I see all sorts of masks. Um, I saw you with like a gas mask. I think he was doing it as like a joke. Um, who knows what the canisters are actually in on that. Uh, my kids, when they go, my wife sewed them like adorable little like children's masks. I wear like, like when you go skiing, the thing that comes up over your face, I've got one of those. And I see people like the painter's mask. So what's the difference? Are there any of these, are they all doing their job? Or obviously some are gonna be more effective than others. Can you break it down for us a little bit? Yeah, so there are some great studies on the filtration efficiency. Again, it's all kind of a probability game. And so if you get, you have an N95 from 95% blockage, uh, and then for example, a tea towel will be 83%, then you go down to pillowcase, 61%, scarf, 62%, um, and silk, 58%. And so- uh, Oh, that is really cool. That's a really cool breakdown of the probability. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't, recommend you put a vacuum cleaner bag in your face, but those have 94%. <laughs> um, and again, it goes down to the, the filtration mechanisms, uh, whether or not they 
a lot of these common materials won't have that electrostatic attraction. Um, and so you could wash, for example, like your normal cloth mask and that'd be fine. However, a lot of people are trying to like maybe wash surgical masks or N95 respirators, and that actually will break down the electrostatic charge over time. So that's not recommended. Is there a way to clean those? I think I heard on another podcast, Science Versus, they did an episode, and I think the lady was actually here from Utah, and she talked about a way to reuse those. Oh, cool. That's really cool. I only know, um, I know there are some studies going on at Stanford, actually, where uh, they have tested UV radiation, heat, um, spraying with alcohol is a common one, and they actually found that over repeated cycles, uh, UV light doesn't catch a lot of the actual, like, uh, folds, and then uh, alcohol will degrade the charges and the efficiency. However, they found that 70 degrees heating uh, Celsius for That's a certain effective. amount of time. Uh, this is not scientific advice, by the way. There are very specific <laughs> conditions, but um, they have found that heat is usually the best way to preserve the fibers, um, electrostatic charges, and over many cycles. Okay. Well, this is super cool. Anything else you want to tell us about filtration, about masks? Anything else you learned that seemed interesting to share? Um, I guess from just like a design standpoint, that'd be interesting for people to consider is that like a mask, basically you just need to get like a barrier. But um, if you're looking for ways to innovate on masks, biggest problems right now are like uh, capture, getting enough oxygen in, cause like you can make an infinitely small pore size, but that would mean you can't breathe through it, which is the point. So, um, and that also means that when you exhale, all the carbon dioxide will be trapped in. So a way to filter oxygen efficiently in and carbon dioxide out is really important um, for built breathability. And then also just how to fit around the face. That's the big deal because yeah. the nurses around the ears and everything. So if there are more materials that can be considered for those kind of considerations, that would be cool. Okay. Well, very cool. Thanks for sharing it with us. If you are interested in learning more about how these types of masks might be made, I'm going to put a link to an article in the show notes about the electrospinning process because electrospinning is rad. It has become a whole platform of making really interesting types of materials. You can make bifunctional ones. I know a gal at the University of Florida where she'll take uh, different types of materials and electrospin them at the same time. And now you've got these strands of sort of multifunctional materials. We're going to put a really cool article and you can read more about it. But Kathy, till next time, thanks for joining us. Cool. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll see ya. The Materialism Podcast is brought to you by Materials Today by Elsevier. If you haven't heard of this journal, I highly suggest you check it out. It's great quality. They make a lot of really great content and we're proud to be associated with them. Also check out elsevier.com or materialstoday.com to see what programming and events they have available that might, you might be interested in. We're also sponsored by MatMatch. MatMatch is a platform that helps engineers and scientists and anybody actually find the materials that they're looking for with targeted properties. So whether that's a specific grade of aluminum or rubber or plastics or pretty much you name it, check them out. It's free to use. You can search for anything you want and you can maybe find the next material that you need. Materialism is super grateful for the people that make the audio happen for this show. That's Colobite and Alphabot. We appreciate what they do and the awesome tunes that they let us use in our shows. Oh, 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 oh,